Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A born leader. He took all the pressure away from us. He took it all upon himself, but never showed to the players that he was under pressure. That's the sign of, you know, of a great manager. A fiery character. I'm not going to have you twist and everything I say. Your job is to tell the truth. That's your job as a journalist. And if you can't do that, you're in the wrong job. A serial winner. Five FA Cups, four League Cups, ten Charity Community Shields, one European Cup Winners' Cup, one European Super Cup, two Champions League titles, Intercontinental Cup, one FIFA Club World Cup, and 13 Premier League titles. The man who turned kids into superstars. And as they say in Wales, that's Ryan Giggs for you. Beckham saw Sullivan off his line. Oh! That is absolutely phenomenal. Built a dynasty while earning the respect of millions all around the world. We were the number one club side in the world. We got voted that. And also, at the same time, we were voted the number one sporting franchise in the world. He is the most successful manager in football history. He's Sir Alex Ferguson. Crazy, the best. You know, he's a great man as well. This was the type of success that they've probably never been repeated. I mean, he goes there in 1986 and he's there for 27 years. It was a very successful, if not the most successful period in the history of Manchester United. And um, to be part of that was fantastic. You see, what you've got to deal with when you, when you are successful is myth. You know, myth, myth is a thing that grows in you because you're successful. I'm Jim White and over the next hour we'll be marking the 80th birthday of Sir Alex Ferguson by reflecting on his incredible incredible career. You'll hear from those who played under him and those who know him well. You're listening to Fergie at 80 on Talk Sport. Alexander Chapman Ferguson was born on New Year's Eve 1941 in Govan, a working-class suburb of Glasgow. He lived in a small house with his parents Alexander and Elizabeth and younger brother Martin. Young Alex was intelligent but had little interest in school. His passion was playing football and following his beloved Glasgow Rangers. He began his career as a player with Queen's Park and moved on to St Johnston, but his career only really got going after he attempted to dupe his manager. Patrick Barclay, writer of Ferguson's 2010 biography, tells us more. Rangers were playing St Johnston at Ibrox on the Saturday. He was picked for the, for the reserves. His brother Martin had a girlfriend. Alex managed to persuade the girlfriend to pick up the phone, pretend to be Alex's mother, and say to the St. Johnston manager, Bobby Brown, I'm sorry, my boy can't come and play for the reserves on Saturday because he's got the flu. 
Bobby Brown saw through this. And some of the St. Johnson first team players had actually got flu. And so Bobby Brown was in a bit of a quandary. He wanted to punish Ferguson, but he needed him for the first team. The final score was Rangers 2, St. Johnston 3, and all three goals were scored by Alex Ferguson. So suddenly his career by now had taken off. A successful spell at Dunfermline led to a record £65,000 contract with the club he supported, Glasgow Rangers, in 1967. After a positive start, a 4-0 crushing defeat in the Old Firm derby at Hampden with Ferguson blamed for the opening goal would result in him never playing for the Ibrox club again. The Scottish Sun's head of sport, Roger Hanna, tells us more. That aspect scarred them for many years. He's still discussing it to this day. On the field, yeah, he lost the great, great Billy McNeil at that infamous corner in the Old Firm Cup final and, and his Rangers career never recovered from that. But it was a dream move for him initially. He had grown up as a Rangers supporter, grown up just down the road in Govan. Having had those early years with Rangers growing up in Govan, he used that actually when he went to Aberdeen. He used it strongly to build a siege mentality up in Aberdeen. That he turned everything around from his own roots and used it to his advantage, and he was hugely successful doing so. He did manage to score 25 goals in 24 league matches for his boyhood club, but an incident at the start of his Ibert's career involving questions over his wife's religion would leave him frustrated and angry. Here's Patrick Barclay. It definitely would have been an issue because um, uh, being a Catholic at Ibrox, having a wife who was one, in the, in the opinion of at least one Rangers director at that time, was the next worst thing. And on his first day, he recalled being asked by this director who he didn't name, when you married a Catholic, did you get married in a Catholic church? And he truthfully um, said, no, it was, a, it was a registry office. He did many years later uh, reflect that really he should have smacked the guy. So he was off on the wrong foot there. That experience fired him up. It made him question managers and figure out what kind of manager he wanted to be. Gordon Strachan remembers how this anger was present throughout Ferguson's managerial career. Really don't know where it came from. It might have been the way he got treated at Rangers. I, I have no idea. Or he just didn't like getting bullied. That was that was part of his nature. But his and I've looked at it over the years, and I, and, and I think anger used to drive him on. It was like a petrol, and he used to do that worse and make us angry. But after a few years, uh, after about, if you're working about seven, eight years, that kind of mentality kind of wore off on myself and people like that. So, hanging up his boots, he entered a new phase in his career, attempting a managerial position with East Stirlingshire, where he stayed briefly before moving on to St Mirren. Alongside being a football manager, he also worked a second job, as described here by Patrick Barclay. He was still not on huge money because he was part-time. He ran a pub as well. Even at St Mirren, it was notionally part-time, but he did it double full-time. And also he had the pub. <laughs> this even figured in his recruitment at St Mirren because he, he had two coaches to assist him. And one of them, Davy Proven, Fergie gave him two jobs. One was as his assistant, working particularly with the youths, preparing the young players. But also, during the day, before he got hold of the young players in the evening for the session, he would work in the pub. Sir Alex then landed the top job at Aberdeen, which led to the most successful period in the club's history and put Aberdeen 
firmly on the football map. That's a good ball. McGee likes his position. It could be there. It is the winner. That will win the cup. They were a team that had rarely challenged for trophies in the years prior to his arrival. But Ferguson managed to build a side that went right to the top, leading them to their first league title in 25 years. This was a huge achievement. It had been 15 years since the Scottish champions had come from outside of Glasgow. The Scottish son's Roger Hanna believes Fergie's success at Aberdeen will be forever remembered in Scottish football history. That window... I think from, from Alex's first title with Aberdeen in 1980 to his last one in 85, that window will always be looked back upon in the history of Scottish football as being spectacular, unexpected, unique, because prior to that, it was really Rangers and Celtic who, who, who dominated. But since then, since 85, there hasn't been a team out with the old firm. In 36, coming into 37 years, to have won the title. That shows you the scale of the achievement. Aberdeen then surprised everybody when they went on to lift the European Cup Winners' Cup, beating mighty Real Madrid 2-1 in Gothenburg, Sweden in 1983. And now Aberdeen with McGee making the break and Hewitt waiting in the middle! There goes the final whistle. Aberdeen have won the European Cup Winners' Cup and the celebrations now begin both on the field and off. Gordon Strachan was part of that winning side and has an interesting pre-match memory from the day. That club were top level and Puskas was the, the manager. So uh, we had no fear about this because Alex or Alex and Archie and nobody else had ingrained it that you, you're only playing against some shirts. They're, they're great shirts, but are they as good as you? We felt we could outrun and outpressure anybody. I cut my hair before the game with a pair of scissors because I couldn't see because it was lashing the rain. The hair was a bit longer than the days. So I said to Teddy Scott, just give me the scissors and I'll cut it just now. So I did a big chunk at the front of my hair and got on with it. Alex McLeish was playing centre-back for Aberdeen and was desperate to impress Ferguson. We had a tough boss who uh, made sure that if you, we weren't playing well, you were out of the team. So that was my motivation. They drove me to to try and stay in the team and the only thing I ever feared in my days at Aberdeen was losing my, my place. Just 10 days later, Aberdeen beat Rangers and lifted the Scottish Cup. McGee running very well and it, it's still there. What's McGee going to do? It must be. Yes. Strachan has made it 3-1 and that is it, I would imagine. Ferguson's post-match interview berating his own players was unforgettable. The luckiest team in the world. What a disgrace of performance. Were you surprised by the way that Rangers Noel McLeish won a cup for Aberdeen. Noel McLeish played Rangers themselves. What a disgrace of performance. They're okay in winning cups, doesn't matter. Their standards have been set long ago and they're not going to accept that from any Aberdeen team. There's no way can we take any glory from that. Gordon Strachan remembers it well. One of the most horrendous days in my life, really, one of the cup final. None of us knew what he was saying, because it was live on TV. We thought we'd got to celebrate. I think somebody says, Archie, can we get the champagne out, Archie, for a drink? And Archie went, oh, not a good idea. <laughs> he's gone bananas out there. <laughs> he's gone bananas. So he's come back in and started shouting, and 
doing the lot. Then he wouldn't let the wives get on the team bus after it because we were a disgrace. So the wives had to go on the, a different bus to the reception. Fergie's rant showed the footballing world what kind of manager he was and certainly got people talking, including the directors of Manchester United. Here's Patrick Barkley. Martin Edwards remembered that story and he thought it was great because he thought he is a manager who goes beyond winning, who believes in the style of winning. And Martin Edwards knew enough about the, the Busby years to know that that was where Manchester United had to get. And that was just another reason why, yeah, Ferguson was the one. At the time, Terry Venables was being touted for the job, but really there was a shortlist of one. Ferguson went on to lead his Aberdeen side to back-to-back -to -back league titles in 84 and 85. But when the opportunity to manage Manchester United came about, he simply could not turn it down. Sir Alex's assistant at the time, Archie Knox, recalled the events unfolding. I can remember being up a week where we trained at Seaton Park one afternoon. I saw his car arriving up at, the, up at this training ground and it reversed along the roads and uh, he's tooting the horn, so I went up. He just came over, he says, look, he says, uh, we're going to Man United. And I says, all right. He says, where did this come from? He says, well, I just had the call on that today. He says, we're meeting them at night. Then he said to me, he says, look, you'll get offered the job at Aberdeen. He says, uh, that's up to yourself. I says, no, no. I says, uh, I'm coming, no matter what. There was no discussion about it, what we're going to get paid or what we're doing or when we're going or whatever. It was just, we're going to Man United, end the story. His time in Scotland had come to an end and a new era was about to begin in Manchester. I think he probably thought he knew the English game better than he did. It took, it took a while for him to, to bed in to learn about English players and what he needed to uh, be successful in the English league. I'm Jim White and welcome to a special programme here on TalkSport, Fergie at 80, a celebration of the greatest manager of all time. I was blind, now I see. On the 6th of November 1986, Sir Alex began his career at Old Trafford. Real excitement and it's a, it's a strange thing but um, my first, my immediate reaction was um, when, when's the uh, first plane, if you know what I mean. The chairman said that he had to phone Mr Edwards of Manchester United then, I really honestly. And that is a strange thing because Aberdeen is such a great club. It's a marvellous club and a great chairman. So to react that way immediately was a bit strange. I didn't expect it, but that was my first thought. Martin Edwards was chairman at the time and the man responsible for hiring him. The real reason why we went for Alec was because He'd taken Aberdeen, a small provincial club, challenged the might of Celtic and Rangers, won three leagues and four Scottish Cups. So suddenly you had little Aberdeen who were prominent within the, or dominating Scottish football. So that was very attractive to us once we decided that, that it was time for to break company with Ron. He was the, the obvious, obvious choice. So it was really his success within Scottish football and his mannerisms and his enthusiasm and all the rest of it that attracted us to him. Former Red Devil Clayton Blackmore recalls his early impressions of the new boss. You know, we didn't know him. He's up. He's in Scotland. Obviously, he was Strachan was there, and he said he was a bit of a whirlwind. And he, you know, he can uh, he shouts a little bit. I mean, he started bringing us in to get rid of the lactic acid. And we were like, what? We were coming in after the game the next day, and he's doing massages. He's he's, he's actually massaged my leg to get the lactic acid out. You know, in those days, there was only it was Sir Alex. Archie Knox, Jim McGregor, the physio, 
the kit man, you know, there weren't there wasn't that many staff there. Now there's like everybody's got their own masseur. The early days proved difficult for Ferguson. His mother passed away just three weeks into the job from lung cancer. And he'd only lost his dad to the same terrible disease a few years earlier. It affected him deeply. He also had a big challenge on his hands with a squad that had a big drinking culture. Journalist Patrick Barkley remembers those days well. He'd kept in touch with Gordon Strachan and Gordon didn't know he was snitching on the players at Man United because he had no, he, he no, no reason to think that his old boss wasn't just ringing him up to ask what Man United was like. And, and, and to be fair, fair, Ferguson didn't know he was going to Man United that time so it's just gossip between the two lads and 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 gordon you know would have uh, i don't know if he would have named uh norman whiteside brian robson uh, paul mcgrath and the main drinkers he knew he had to sort that out his big focus in his first season was rebuilding the club from top to bottom there was little to mark out the season from a football perspective they finished 11th the off-season saw Ferguson bring Viv Anderson and Brian McClare to the club. The latter became a club stalwart, but the rebuilding process would take a long time. Fergie's biographer, Paul Hayward, tells us more. It was a place of sort of complacency and drift. And of course, as we all know, there was a slightly carousing culture, a drinking culture that um, he had to cure for all sorts of reasons. His teams always reflected his character so he went looking for people who were like him, who had the same drive and commitment and dedication, the same compulsion to win that he did. And it wasn't a quick process, obviously. United hadn't won the league since 1967, and the fans were frustrated at bang average results and performances. I can remember there was remarkably, at one stage, Fergie out chants and banners and booing from the stands. In May 1990, Ferguson, against the odds, won his first trophy for Manchester United with victory over Crystal Palace in the 1990 FA Cup final replay at Wembley. Manchester United have won the FA Cup and equaled the record of seven outright wins. Palace slumped to the ground. Manchester United celebrate Alex Ferguson's first major trophy at Old Trafford. Many have called it a sliding doors moment in Ferguson's United career. The media said he was on the verge of getting sacked, although chairman at the time, Martin Edwards, disputes this. I'd actually spoken to Alec that week and said, by the way, you know, your job is not dependent on Saturday's result. And I think that just took the pressure off him a little bit. But, but um, I think it would have been difficult if, if, we, if we'd gone on without success a lot longer then the pressure would have, would, have, would have borne on the directors to actually do something about it. But certainly we'd never even discussed Alex's position. You know, we knew how hard he was working behind the scenes. In those first six years in charge, Fergie, hugely inspired by United great Matt Busby, revamped the scouting system and the academy. Editor of United We Stand fanzine Andy Mitten recalls his early impact. He changed almost everything. Manchester United was running quite a haphazard manner. He was a disciplinarian which was needed at the time because there was a culture which wasn't in fitting with modern day football where the players were socialising too much. And he got on top of all that in a dressing room of big egos. So he needed to have a bigger ego and a 
stronger strength of character and he did have. Chairman Martin Edwards certainly saw great promise and stood by him. In those days you didn't buy many players, they were nearly all homegrown and you saw them come through, it was a bit like a system. And really when Alec came in 86, he then sort of looked at the youth team and all the rest of it and he started to build, on the Busby model really, players coming through. And that's why people say, you know, why did you stick with Alec when you weren't successful at the beginning? We knew what was happening at that level. We knew what was trying to build and, 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 and what we were aiming for. So it, it wasn't luck. It was a conscious effort to, to build from the bottom. Focused on bringing through youth, Ferguson watched a young Ryan Giggs play and discovered his brilliance. At just 17 years old, on the 2nd of March 1991, he made his debut. And Sir Alex was keen to protect his young talent from the media. They were hoping I would bend in it and say, right, you get full access. No, no question about it. Alex Ferguson did the right thing for Ryan Giggs. And that's the only thing that matters, what is right for the boy. And Desmond Langley, I thought, it was absolutely ridiculously out of order. He's, he's public property stuff. I don't know if he has any family or not. But he's subjected, at the time he said that Ryan was 18, would he like his 18-year-old son or daughter exposed to the world knew everything about him? I thought it was a ridiculous piece for a, a respected journalist. Ferguson had a volatile relationship with the media over many years. Journalist Paul Hayward describes what it was like to deal with. Formidable and fascinating because... His force of personality obviously came through in everything he did. In every, in every press conference, uh, it, there, was a, there was a sort of a, a jousting match, if you like. He was always interesting, but his whole idea was that it was his press conference, not ours. He used to say that just before he walked into those rooms. He'd say, this, this is my press conference, not yours. He could be combative on occasions, but he could also be uh, very lyrical and interesting. And of course, he used press conferences um, as a tool of management, if you like, very successfully. I remember being a cub reporter on a, a newspaper just outside Glasgow called the Johnston Advertiser. And uh, Sir Alex was the then St Mirren manager. And I remember as a cub reporter shaking on my knees talking to him and I blurted out to him saying Sir Alex I won't keep you long I just want to ask you a few questions and I remember Ferguson looking at me saying are you right you won't keep me long and I was terrified of him I would meet him time and time again and he still held this held this thing over you you had to watch what you were saying purely out of the aura that he had you didn't want to let him down he was godlike to be quite honest here's onside is a chance for another one here yes there a fantastic goal by Hughes spreads his arms wide and probably makes the game safe for United it's over Manchester United are the winners two goals for one on the 15th of May 1991 Manchester United took on mighty Barcelona in the final of the European Cup Winners Cup in Rotterdam and beat them 2-1 it was United's first continental final since a European Cup win in 1968. But Fergie's team weren't overawed by the Spanish giants managed by Johan Cruyff. Many say it was the night that started Sir Alex Ferguson's reign of greatness at Old Trafford. And on it down, a wonderful save by Schmeichel. You won't find a better save anywhere than that. In August 1991, a relatively unknown young Danish goalkeeper, Peter Schmeichel, signed for £505,000, described in 2000 by Fergie as the bargain of the century. He made an attempt in uh, in 1990 to bring me to, to, to Old Trafford. It didn't happen, and he went out of his way to make me understand 
that he was coming back for me in 1991 wow. uh, and wanted me to stay on course, mm -hmm. keep progressing. So obviously he's seen something in me that he wanted in the team, but that was the way I played. Ferguson was well and truly building a force to be reckoned with. In 1992, they won their first League Cup and a year later, Manchester United won their first league title in 26 long years. Bruce! Mark Hughes was part of that championship winning team. So we won it and obviously won the league. Everybody was hugging, jumping up and down in, in the front room. And then all of a sudden the, the phone's going. There's a big party in Brucey's house. Get yourself down there. And we've got a game the next time. So it's the only time I've ever done that. I have to say I've never done that ever before. And night before again, we actually went behind 1-0 to Blackburn. And I think that sobered us all up. And it was just a fantastic day. There was such an outpouring of emotion and relief that we'd actually done it. The, the fans obviously were, were in a state of euphoria and doing the lap of honour around the stadium. It was just a real special time. An amazing achievement, but this was just the start of something very special. Still to come, we'll hear from some of the class of 92 and from those who got on the wrong side of Fergie. Of course, certain things happen um, with players and, and sometimes he's, uh, he gives some certain players you know, but I think that's normal. It can be very direct, very hard, but honest. And after that, it moves on. You're listening to Fergie at 80 on Talk Sport. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Jim White and welcome to a special programme on Sir Alex Ferguson as he turns 80. So by 1993, seven years after joining, 
Ferguson had managed to turn his club's fortunes around. A first league title since 1967 was achieved, with many fans thanking the super-talented Eric Cantona. Legendary commentator John Motson expressed his importance to the side. Cantona seemed to change the whole mentality of the Manchester United team. He just seemed to inspire not just the team, but the crowd as well. I mean, they still chant about him at Old Trafford, don't they? So, yes, I think Eric Cantona's presence in the Manchester United team at Old Trafford in those years in the early 90s really, in a way, set the standards and created the platform for what they went on to achieve in their treble-winning season. Cantona. Taking the bypass around McDonald. Look at Giggs in space to his right. Cantona goes in alone. It was a pretty good decision too. And the best was yet to come. Everyone, of course, remembers and talks about the rise of the class of 92, made up of Giggs, Beckham, the Neville brothers, Scholes and Nicky Butt, and everyone recalls Alan Hansen's damning assessment on match of the day. I think they've, they've got problems. I wouldn't say they've got major problems. Obviously, three players have departed. The trick is always buy when you're strong. So he needs to buy players. You can't win anything with kids. There were indeed doubts after key players like Paul Ince, Mark Hughes and Andrei Kanchelskis were all sold, but these kids were certainly special. And the years that followed brought trophy after trophy. Great run here by Ryan Giggs. Oh, what a goal! Would you believe it? Ryan Giggs could have taken Manchester United to Wembley. Well, the thing about young people is if you give them an opportunity and... Uh, not only do they, they, they seize it, they would never let you down. Their enthusiasm to do well, and given for the young lads of 92, uh, an opportunity to play for my night in front of 75,000 people, you don't want to miss that. And they all, they all did fantastically well, and they're all, also very good human beings. United's domination of the 90s was incredible. In 1994, they won the title again, doing it consecutively for the first time since 1957. And alongside the FA Cup, completed the first double. And there it is. The achievement is nearly unique. The praise is nearly unanimous. The double is definitely Manchester United's. United then became the first English club to do the double twice when they won both competitions again in the 95-96 season before retaining the league title once more in 96-97 with a game to spare. Wimbledon have beaten Liverpool and it's 0-0 here and Manchester United are the champions. The man responsible for helping develop that talent was former youth coach Eric Harrison who sadly passed away in February 2019. He spoke to Talk Sport a few years back and discussed how Fergie revolutionised the youth setup. He told me that he definitely wanted a vibrant youth policy. You know, obviously he'd had the vibrant youth policy at Aberdeen and, and it had uh, paid dividends. I had to remind him that um, we didn't have enough scouts, so the clubs were getting possibly better young players because they had an army of scouts and he didn't know that but he soon put that right and I mean he, he virtually trebled the scouting system it seemed in you know like a, a couple of months and that's when we got all the good young players coming in I thought well we are really going places now with the with the youth team and the and the youth policy former chairman Martin Edwards said himself and Sir Alex were confident these kids were going to be something special even when these kids were sort of uh, 15 16 we knew that, that that we were going to have a good youth team coming up we knew that these, that these players were, were going to make the grade i was quite close to brian kidd at the time and, and brian he said the jewel in the crown here will be paul skulls 
And I also remember Brian Robson going to play. They wanted him to have a run out. So he was playing with all these kids. And I remember him coming back and saying that, you know, he wasn't even allowed to take a throw in. You know what I mean? They were so sort of organised and controlled and, and knew what they were doing. So I think we knew what was coming, what was coming through. Sir Alex was all about building a winning mentality and creating a proper family atmosphere. Manchester United legend Gary Neville describes the incredible power and influence Ferguson had at Old Trafford. He had a hold and a control over the whole club. It wasn't just the dressing room, it was the whole club. He never threatened you, but you felt the threat of leaving was so great. The club was so good and the dressing room was so good and everyone enjoyed it that much that... It was almost like the threat of the threat of being let go, the threat of being out of the team meant that everybody just pushing themselves all the time. You know, if somebody if the training started at ten o'clock, how early could you get in? Fergie was renowned for being tough, and you certainly didn't want to get on the wrong side of him. Former United left back Patrice Evra has vivid memories of the infamous hairdryer treatment and how it achieved results. He gave the hairdryer to so many people, even some player, they cry like big player, I won't mention names. But uh, yeah, we were playing against Tottenham, we were winning 2-0. I was playing one of the best games since I, I joined United and, uh, you know, at half time we came back in the dressing room. Ferguson uh, didn't speak for four or five minutes. When he don't speak like straight away, he mean like someone is in trouble. Everyone was like, oh my God, Patrice, you're on fire. And, everything. and he looked at me. He said, Patrice, are you okay? And I said, yeah. He said, are you tired? I said, what? You know, I even looked at my team. I think it was a prank. And he said, why you pass the ball back to Andrew Van der Sar? I said, because I didn't have one, I didn't have any solution for one. And I just passed one ball and he gave me an unbelievable air dryer. If you do that again, you're going to finish and watch the rest of the game next to me. There were plenty of bust-ups with his players over the years. Jap Stam and Ruud van Nistelrooy both famously fell out with Ferguson and spoke to Talk Sport. Ruud recalled how Fergie wouldn't hold back after a defeat. He's very direct. You know, after a game, he can be very hard, but honest. And after that, he moves on. He's, he's playing cards with, uh, with the players in the bus, so to say, and he's laughing. So that's also part of his, uh, his personality, I think. Yap Stam's United career only lasted three years after Fergie was angered by extracts from Stam's book and subsequently sold them. That decision ended up being one of Ferguson's biggest regrets. Yap told Talk Sport what it was like to play under Sir Alex. He's a great manager, and you know because, and he's proven that in, in within the club by, by winning that winning that that many trophies. So you know, and, and of course, certain things happen um, with players, and and sometimes he's uh, he gives some certain players a or whatever, you know. But I think that's normal. If if you want to play in in uh, top football and and professional football, and you want to win trophies, then uh, then uh, certain players need a certain treatment. David Beckham's relationship breakdown with Sir Alex is well documented. After a heated dressing room exchange in 2003 with the midfielder, then being sold to Real Madrid at the end of the season, we had a couple of wobbles uh, against Arsenal, where I think I'd made a couple of mistakes. And he came into the changing room. We had a couple of uh, words and he started to walk over to me and he kicked a pile of clothes on the floor and out came this boot and it hit me. Not even Ferguson's most trusted lieutenant on the pitch could escape his wrath. Roy Keane sent shockwaves around Old Trafford when he criticised his teammates on MUTV in 2005. It ultimately led to the end of his United career. 
teammate Teddy Sheringham, however, has some high praise for the former Red Devils captain. I often get asked about who the best players that I have played with, and he's he's one of two that I always mention. People ask me why. He was the driving force of Manchester United team at the time. With, with all the fantastic players that we had at Manchester United at the time, he would drive other people on and make sure that everybody was doing their jobs and knew when to slow the game down, knew when to speed the game up. He was our main man and leader. Back to matters on the pitch in 1998. The team had a difficult season following the early retirement of Cantona. Former chairman Martin Edwards knew that the squad needed a revamp once again. We did the double in 94-96, won the league in 97, and Eric left in 97, the end of that season when we won the league, and we didn't win anything in 98. And obviously at the end of that season, we then felt that we needed to strengthen the team again. We'd been uh, looking at Stam for, for a while, and eventually we got him for around about the 11 million mark. And of course, at the same time, we were working on the Dwight York, and again, Doug Ellis was after 15 million for Dwight. We felt that 12 was a, a very good price. And that went to the 11th hour, really, just before the start of the season. And at the last minute, Doug actually gave way and agreed that uh, he could come to us for the 12 million. The signings that summer of Yap Stam, Jesper Blomqvist and Dwight York were massive going forward. In 1999, Ferguson led Manchester United to the most incredible achievement, the treble. When the board went up to say that there was two minutes to go, of, of injury time. You think it's all over, but not for this Manchester United team. It's towards Schmeichel. It's come for Dwight York. Clear. Geeks with a shot. Sheringham! Still got a minute of, or so to go. Ollie takes out the left wing again, tries to take him on. I'm in the box. Little step over, tries to take him on, goes out for a corner. Beckham. Into Sheringham. And Goldarek won it! And nobody will ever win a European Cup final more dramatically than this. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. But they never give in. That's the winner. Teddy Sheringham spoke to us about that famous night at the Nou Camp. We was losing it 1-0 at half-time, and I can remember a bit of the speech that, that Sir Alex came in and made. And it, as he finished his speech, I went into the toilet, and he, he walked in after me, and he said, Ted, just letting you know, if, if it stays like this for the next 15 minutes, get yourself ready, you'll be going on. So I was like, oh, OK, wow. So for the next 15 minutes, I'm thinking to myself, do I want my team to score here? Or I definitely don't want them to score again because that is an uphill battle. Steve McLaren was Ferguson's assistant and described the manager's inspirational team talks in the lead-up to the final. That was his strength. Every team talk I, I heard him do was not so much about tactics, not so much about the opponent. It was all emotional. It was all, this is the reason why we're here. This is the reason why we have to win this game. This is the reason why we're in football. This is the reason why you could be writing your name in history. This is a reason why most people dream and dream of huge things of flying to the moon. You have the chance to fly to the moon and land on the moon tonight. That treble side will forever be remembered and lauded, as was Ferguson's greatest achievement. He was knighted by the Queen for his services to the game. This wasn't enough for him, though. Winning is addictive, and he still craved more. I'm Jim White, and you're listening to the final part of Fergie at 80, a special programme paying tribute to one of the greatest managers of all time. In the summer of 2001, having won the league for a third consecutive year, Sir Alex announced he would retire at the end of that season. 
Fergie had already served 15 years as Manchester United manager and won an array of trophies. But the news that he was entering his farewell season caused massive disruption at Old Trafford. Biographer Paul Hayward recalls the events and what was going through Ferguson's mind at the time. His wife, Cathy, came in and kicked his foot and woke him up and he, and he, he looked up and she was standing there and all his sons were standing behind them and they just said, um, you're not retiring. They said, you're too young. You've got too much to give. Manchester United need you, and there's no need for you to walk away now. And when he explained why he was going to walk away, he had been very offended by Martin Edwards after the 1999 European Cup win, saying at the New Camp, saying that um, when he did retire, they didn't want him hanging around the club like Matt Busby. That that hurt him. And he admits to being obsessed with this idea that he was about to be 60. The number 60 got into his head and, and made him think that's far enough, that's long enough. Just six months later, Fergie staged his U-turn and led United to a new era of incredible success. Top class for Manchester United. Van Nistelrooy bears down on goal, finds the goal. The Premiership pendulum swings Manchester United's work. He just goes on collecting trophies. Sir Alex Ferguson. Many believe what fired Ferguson up and led him to stay at the club for so long was the rivalry and the mind games he enjoyed with opposing managers. He knew how to get into the heads of opponents and in 1996, his subtle needling of Kevin Keegan was a prime example of how effective it can be as Keegan famously lost his cool then and ultimately the Premier League title. When you do that with footballers, like he said about Leeds, and when you do things like that about a man like Stuart Pearce, I'm, I've kept really quiet, but I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. We have not resorted to that, but I'll tell you, you can tell him now if you're watching it, we're still fighting for this title, and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Fergie also famously rattled Rafa Benitez. I have to to talk about facts. But his biggest rivalry of all started in 1998, when the new kid in town and the first real threat to Ferguson made his mark on the Premier League. When you buy big names, everybody is full of hope and many times you are disappointed. You cannot buy success just by buying big names. So my target is not to bring big names, but big players. Do well to catch up with Thierry Henry though. He's drifted away from Carr. Now Vieira. Oh, what a cracker from Patrick Vieira. Pires. Oh, what a shot. Oh. It's a fabulous goal from Robert Pires. It's Bergkamp. That's magnificent. May the 15th, 2004. History has been made. One of the greatest achievements since English football began. Arsenal have gone through an entire league campaign without losing. Arsenal snatching the title from under their noses and playing a brilliant style of football which made everyone stand up and take notice really riled Ferguson and motivated him even more. When Arsenal had won the league again in 2004, going an entire season unbeaten, it was Ferguson who finally managed to end their winning streak the following season in what became known as Pizzagate. Fergie's biographer Paul Hayward recalls that memorable day. To me, that was still the, the most volcanic Premier League game of them all. First of all, it stopped Arsenal's 49-match unbeaten run. Tension everywhere. 
And then as they were coming off the pitch, Arsene Wenger had a few words with uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy. So Ferguson went to confront Wenger along the lines of leave my players alone, don't speak to my players. And before he knew it, Ferguson was wearing a slice of pizza that had been thrown in the tunnel. It was it turned into a sort of toddler's party in the in the tunnel. Cesc Fabregas threw a slice of pizza at Alec Ferguson. It landed on his jacket. It became known as the Battle of the Buffet. Fergie time. Lucky United. Not always playing the most flowing football, but Ferguson knew simply how to win. Ryan Giggs explained to TalkSport how it was drilled into United to never give up. Usually the football that we played in the first half, normally by the, the last 10-15 minutes, teams are tired because we've put so much pressure on them. And that's when mistakes happen and that's when usually we would capitalise on that and, and score late. Sir Alex managed to see off Arsene Wenger and even Chelsea when they were thrown into the mix and began splashing the cash and winning silverware. Fergie had an astonishing ability to rebuild United into a top team again and again, according to Eric Cantona. What can be difficult for a manager in a big club like Manchester United is when you have a generation of players who, who have won many things, it's difficult to say to them that maybe a new player will take their place. He adapt to, to all generations. Mm. And, uh, and at, at the same time, he tried to to help the player to develop their own personality. The title went elsewhere in 2004, 2005 and 2006. The Glazer takeover caused disruption and United were a team in transition. But then incredibly, they came back stronger and won the title three years running. It was an amazing side, including the likes of Rio Ferdinand, Cristiano Ronaldo and teenage superstar Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney told TalkSport how Sir Alex would get the very best out of the squad. Nothing was complicated and he had the balance right. He knew um, his man management was second to none. He knew the players he could have a go at, he knew the players he, he had to put his arm around and so on. I think that shows, obviously, the chosen his record. It's, it's so important. I've seen players um, sat in the dressing room with tears running down their eyes and <laughs> because the managers had to go with them and they can't take it. But um, I've also... I've been there myself where Alex Ferguson's had a go at me and um, it, it gives me that, that lift. In 2008, Ferguson led Manchester United to an incredible Champions League penalty shootout win over Chelsea in Moscow. They lift the cup and for the third time in history, Manchester United are the kings of Europe. United's first team coach, Rennie Mullenstein, recalls the intense preparation and planning in the week leading up to the final. Well, I think if you ask Sir Alex Ferguson himself, he will always say, we haven't won enough uh, Champions League trophies. That win against Chelsea meant, meant a whole lot to him. Everything was very well prepared for. From the training sessions that we did, everything was taken care of, even, uh, you know, the extra time. What are we going to do in extra time if it goes to extra time? And what are we going to do when it gets to penalties? So penalties were practised. The ones that were chosen to take the penalty, they were all good penalty takers. After finishing runners-up to Chelsea in the 2009-10 season, the following season, United achieved a record 19th league championship, surpassing Liverpool's record of 18 titles. There goes the full-time whistle! Manchester United have won a 19th Premier League title, a 12th league title for Sir Alex Ferguson. In 2012, we all remember what happened on the final day of the season. But here's Aguero inside the penalty area! 
Sergio Aguero wins the Barclays Premier League for Manchester City. 44 years of art has been eradicated. Noisy neighbours, Manchester City, pipping United to the title in such unbelievable fashion, would have Fergie furious. Journalist Andy Mitten remembers how distraught everyone was. Ferguson was hurting, but he was also really experienced. And he told his players just to remember how they felt right at that moment with Sunderland fans cheering the success of Manchester City, just soaking that hurt and turn it from something negative into something positive. It really hurt City winning the league that year for United fans. Their Manchester rivals rise to the top, severely got to Sir Alex. Might he have retired sooner if the City takeover hadn't happened? We asked Fergie's biographer, Paul Hayward. It's possible that Ferguson would have gone a year before he did, but that Manchester City title win drove him into the analysis room, made him summon all his forces and all his energy to try and get back at Manchester City and, and to go out on a high, to go out as Premier League champions. And he said he'd never spent so much time in the analysis room as he did in that final year in charge because the Man City title win was heartbreaking for him. He went into a period that you can only describe as mourning, really. That summer, Ferguson was determined not to let the title slip from their grasp again and signed prolific striker Robin Van Persie from Arsenal to fire them up to the title. Low into the centre, Van Persie! One touch, one chance, one goal, United in front, and of course it's Robin Van Persie! United were brilliant that season, Van Persie incredible, and on the 22nd of April 2013, they secured their 20th league title with a 3-0 home win against Aston Villa. Patrice Evra and Vidic go together. They present it to Sir Alex Ferguson, who holds it aloft. Sir Alex Ferguson does hold that trophy aloft. United first-team coach Rennie Mullenstein recalls how the Red Devils eased to their final title under Sir Alex. You know, like every title, you know, you ask yourself sometimes what, what was the best title you've won. I think there's two really that always stand out. It's the first one, because that, that proves that you can do it. And also the last one, because that's the last thing that you're going to remember before you walk out the door. And we won it in great fashion, you know, with uh, 11 points clear. If Swalik Ferguson would have decided to carry on for another season, another two seasons, those players would, deli would have delivered again. On May the 8th, Ferguson announced that he was to retire at the end of the season, but he'd remain at the club as a director and club ambassador. It was a fitting end to what's been an incredible career. And now... The end is near. It's a thank you to Manchester United, not just the directors, not just the medical staff, the coaching staff, the players, the supporters, it's all of you. You have been the most fantastic experience of my life. I've been able to manage some of the greatest players in the country, let alone Manchester United. And all of these players here today have represented our club the proper way and won a championship and a fantastic fashion well done to the players my retirement doesn't mean the end i'll be able to now enjoy watching them rather than suffer with them i did it my way there will be nobody like him ever again sir alex ferguson at 80 but sir alex ferguson throughout his whole career was somebody i always looked up to and you know what i always will for me personally sir alex ferguson 
best manager I've played for by far. And to see him change from what he was when he first started managing and then change and change and change with the generation you're trying to see. So how's he actually done that? Whether there will ever be anyone who will produce that much silverware for one club, I would doubt very much indeed. He's so positive and he's so knowledgeable about the game and about his contribution to the game. Ferguson, his legacy will always be there. No one will equal Sir Alex Ferguson. His influence and presence is still massively felt at Old Trafford. His legacy goes on. He will forever go down in history as the greatest manager of all time. Happy 80th birthday, Sir Alex Ferguson.